Welcome to the show. I'm Braxton Hunter, and this is Trinity Radio. And today we're going to be looking at a debate between David Wood and Matt Dillahunty. I don't need good. I just need God. I just need God. I just need God. And it's more than just one letter difference there. Thanks. Did I say that backwards? Did I say that backwards at the end? Now, there's a lot about this debate I would like to comment on, but it's it's a long debate. It's a long discussion. And there's a central theme that becomes really problematic. And it has to do with the title of the debate, as far as I'm concerned. And it's the reason why I don't think it was ever possible that Matt Matt's position could survive a debate with a title like this. And I'll, I'll kind of set up what I'm talking about, and then we'll get into looking at some video and some specifics of what I'm trying to say. But, um, but the title of this debate uh, is what best explains ethics, God or secular humanism. Now, I submit to you that what explains why David had to do what he did and why Dillahunty was just misguided in continually complaining about what David did is that that debate question has a major prerequisite that must be settled first. The prerequisite is, does God exist? As much as we don't want this debate to boil down to that, as much as Matt is annoyed that the issue of objective morality kept coming up, it had to. I'm going to explain why. What best explains ethics is the title, right? Well, what do we mean by best? That is key to this entire thing is what is meant by the word best. And it's why Dillahunty's position, I'm sorry, never stood a chance of surviving this sort of discussion. What does Wood mean by best? He means represents the objective best, the actual best, uh, the ultimate best, because values are grounded in God's nature. Uh, what does Dillahunty mean by best? As best as I can understand it, he means best at getting us to well-being. Now, here is where the confusion begins. Now, within Dillahunty's system, as we're going to see, and as you've probably heard if you've watched this debate or some of the other debates Dillahunty's done on morality, you'll understand that the way he views, if you ask him if his morality is objective or subjective, it's yes and no in a particular sense. And, and, and this is fair as far as this goes. Um, because he means this in two senses, it's not a direct contradiction at this point. Although we're going to see some, I think, talking out of both sides of our mouth. What he means is that, uh, so morality is not objective in any ultimate sense, right? It's not, it's not like mathematics, 2 plus 2 equals 4. And if you think 2 plus 2 equals 7, you're just objectively wrong. It's not like that, Dillahunty wants to say. It's not, morality is not objective like that. The universe doesn't care and all those sorts of things. But... If we subjectively construct a goal or an aim that most people want to get towards, then within that, we can look at objective ways uh, that are better or worse at getting us to that goal. Um, and that goal for him is well-being. Now, this analogy that he uses a lot for this is like a chess game. So if you've got a chess game, the game of chess, the universe doesn't give us the rules of chess. The rules of chess were subjectively chosen. Someone invented chess. But then within the game of chess, if everyone agrees to the rules, then there are objectively better or worse ways to win the game or better or worse moves to make at any particular point. 
for Dillahunty, that's how morality is. Morality is like that in the sense that uh, there, there, the universe doesn't care. There's no objective morality. But if we all agree that the goal should be human flourishing, or not human flourishing, but well-being, then we can make objectively better or worse moves to get us to that well-being. Okay, that's, that's kind of the position for Matt. Now, here's what that means. That means that within Matt's system, within Matt's system, uh, better and worse have meaning that we can actually use. It's meaningful to say within Matt's secular humanism that uh, that particular, you know, uh, way of functioning or particular action that you take or whatever is better if our joint, you know, collective goal is well-being. Um, and, and that one is worse. And so better and worse do have some sort of definition. They do, they do mean something. But here's the problem, and this is why it always has to get to God. If you pull out of that and look at the two systems, which is what this debate is attempting to do, which is to say, okay, we, we know what that means now within your system, and we know what it means within a, a theistic scheme like David's, which is objectively good, objectively better or worse, ultimately good or worse. And the reason why, and this is so key that you get this, the reason why Dillahunty's position never stood a chance of, of winning the day in a debate, anything like this. Because once you move out of Dillahunty's system into this meta situation to look at both systems and say which of these systems is better or worse, Dillahunty's system cannot be said to be, by Dillahunty, to be better. Because... Better and worse only make sense within the system. But outside of the system, they don't mean anything. Outside of the system, all Dillahunty's position means is, all he can say about his system is not that it's better. All he can say is, I like it more. Because outside of the system, to say that it's better would mean that this better holds outside of the system and has some objective ultimate ontology, which Dillahunty admits that it doesn't. So if you have here um, uh, these two systems, all we can say about Dillahunty's system is not that it's best or better, but that he likes it more and a lot of other people like it more. And that's great that you like it more. Lots of people like all kinds of things. But when the title of the debate is what best explains ethics, God or secular humanism, we're taking a, a meta look at these two systems and Dillahunty can't say anything else at all consistently because it's only that he likes it more. It's only that he likes it. It's not really better because value statements like good, bad, better, worse are meaningless unless we're already inside of his system. This is why you'll find at certain moments in this discussion, I think, and I don't want to mischaracterize Dillahunty or his intentions or his methodology, but it really does seem to me that what Dillahunty tries to do is he, he notices that, that he's heading for a problem when that sort of a concept gets brought out by David. Not the way I've just stated it, but in the particulars. And instead, he speaks as though it's not just relevant within his system, but seems to have some sort of a hold on even people outside of his system. Now, interestingly, the reason that David's position is, can be said outside of the systems to be better is because what, da what David means by better doesn't change. It, what's better within his system is better in the objective ultimate sense. What's, what better means outside of his system, if he steps back and looks at it from a meta position, he can still, we can still judge what's better if we're understanding better to be some sort of an ultimate objective 
sense that these things hold outside of the system. That is why whatever you want to say about what else happened in the debate, that is a that is a clear uh, that, that is a clear loss. That is a clear your your position is not equipped to answer a question like this. The, the question would have to be framed entirely differently. Now, you might say, well, yeah, but, but you know, uh, Dillahunty wanted it to be framed differently. Dillahunty wanted it to be framed Christianity versus secular humanism. But with Christianity versus secular humanism, you would run into precisely the same problem. So even if we gave Dillahunty the other wording that he says he wanted instead, he would still have this same problem. So the debate that he's complaining that he ended up with is a debate he still would have had because his position is not equipped to answer a question at this level like this. Now, why does this ultimately have to be a question about God? Why does this ultimately have to be about objective and subjective values? Well, I think I've just told you, but let me illustrate this by rephrasing uh, something for you. So Matt's position is something like this. And, and again, uh, I don't mean to mischaracterize him. If I'm, if I'm putting words in his mouth, I don't intend to, but I've listened to a lot of Matt Dillahunty and I think I've got this. There is no objective morality in any ultimate sense so we subjectively decide upon human well-being as our guiding principle, and then we can take objective steps to get us there, right? Like the game of chess. Let me read it again. There is no objective morality in any ultimate sense, so we subjectively decide upon human well-being as our guiding principle, and then we can take objective steps to get us there. All right, now, uh, Matt, uh, uh, David was, asked, was making a comparison between how atheists view morality you ultimately reduce it down to just, I just know that morality is real. I don't need God for that. I just know that it's real. And he said, what if we went to a church and everybody just said that? You, you wouldn't like it, right? So let's rephrase what the church people would say if we had them be, a, a, in Dillahunty's mind, a truer representation, a truer analogy uh, to how atheists view morality. Instead of there is no objective morality in any ultimate sense, so we subjectively decide upon human well-being as our guiding principle, and then we can take objective steps to get us there, the comparison to God with Christians phrased that way would be this. There is no objective God in any ultimate sense. Imagine Christians saying this. There is no objective God in any ultimate sense. So we subjectively decide to set the idea of God as our guiding principle, and then we take objective steps to get us to his morality. Now, if that were stated about God, the way that skeptics state things about objective morality, I submit to you that I think most of the atheists who comment on this channel, I think indeed Dillahunty himself, I think most atheists in general would say, you're admitting that there is no objective God in any ultimate sense, then why would you subjectively decide to set the idea of God as our guiding principle? Why? If you, if you don't, if you don't, if it's not real in any ultimate sense, then why? Now I could go one of two ways at this point. I could apply that to atheist morality, but I don't think that's exactly fair. Let me say this about it though. That is why asking that question, if there is no objective God in any ultimate sense, uh, why would you want to base your morality on him or on what you think he would want? That You're right that that would be a terrible way to go about things. You wouldn't build a morality around a God that doesn't exist. That is why the very question of what is a better system, go with full-blown Christianity like Dillahunty wanted, versus secular humanism, 
has to come down to the question of whether God exists. Because if God does not exist, it is a whole entirely different discussion. Same with objective morality. If morality is not objective, it's an entirely different discussion. So whatever you want this debate to be, it can't be that. The way that it's phrased, it's going to devolve into does God exist or is Christianity true or is morality objective, whether you came prepared for that or wanted it to be that or asked for that or not. Because the question, as Dillahunty wanted it, uh would have resulted in the same problems and his position could not withstand it and never had a hope of withstanding it anyway, because outside of his system and in the absence of God, better and worse mean nothing. It's just what Dillahunty likes more. Now let's take a look at how this is borne out. And some of what I've said, you'll, you'll see it on the screen as we take a look at how David Wood frames this up. Tell in this debate, we're not uh, focusing on whether atheism is true or whether theism is true. And instead, we're focusing on a fairly narrow topic, namely whether secular, uh, secular, secular humanism or theism provides a better foundation for morality. Spoiler alert, theism does. Theism can account for morality quite easily. Non-theistic ideologies can't. And if it weren't for feelings and cultural indoctrination getting in the way every atheist on the planet would agree with me. But many contemporary atheists, instead of simply acknowledging the implications of their position, try to ground morality in something other than God. And this is the major problem when you, he's absolutely right. We're trying to figure out what better accounts for this atheism or theism, or as Dillahunty wants to point out later, theism or secular humanism. And this would work just the same with Christianity or secular humanism. That's absolutely right. Which one provides the better foundation for that? Uh, which one explains that better? Which one has the better foundation? Well, guess what? Christianity and theism must, because there is no foundation on uh, atheism. The foundation that you've chosen is a subjectively chosen foundation. Now, again, within the system, just like a chess game, you can make objectively better or worse moves to get to the goal that you have subjectively chosen, but it's still no, there's still no real foundation there. It's a subjective foundation. So again, this debate had to go the way that David wants to push it. You can complain about David getting off topic all you want. It had to go there. Let's go on to listen to what Dillahunty had to say at this. Trying to take a bunch of notes. Sometimes I wonder why I bother showing up as long as opponents are going to try to present both sides in a fictional straw man. This started off as, hey, let's do which, is a, which makes a better account of ethics, God or atheism. And I pointed out rightly that atheism isn't an ethical system at all. <clears throat> and that instead I should be defending secular humanism, which is in fact a system that addresses ethics and morality. Uh, I tried to, to get this changed a little more clearly to Christianity versus secular humanism, because Christianity at least can be presented as if it is a moral system or as if it makes moral pronouncements. Because <clears throat> the fact is, God isn't a philosophy. It's not a system. It's not a worldview. It is a proposed entity. Secular humanism is entirely focused on discovering and promoting the best methods of improving human life. No God has been shown to exist. There isn't agreement on which God exists or which. Okay, and here he goes back into kind of some of the uh, typical Dillahunty stuff about people can't agree about God, so uh, we don't need to bother kind of thing. Um, but he, here's, the, here's the thing about this. Um, Secular, we're trying to find a better way to, to get to human flourishing. Exactly right. 
And that's consistent with Dillahunty's system. Within the system, there is a better or worse way to do things. But if the discussion is, which is better, theism or Christianity or secular humanism, what do, how are we going to judge that? How are we going to dig down to that? Are, I mean, like when we set them both up, they both explain better differently. The secular humanist thinks better means human well-being. The Christian thinks better is going to probably include well-being, but is ultimately conforming to the objective morality that is that is comes from the nature of God. So we have two slightly differing, uh, well, depending on how you look at it, slightly differing or wildly differing understandings of better. Who gets to judge? Where, where do we, who, how do we judge between these two? I mean, because what you mean by better is not what David necessarily means by better. So we need a third party. But the third party is just going to give their own opinion too. What you need is, what either you can kind of just, and I'm not saying this to be uh, snarky or rude to Matt. I'm not even saying this to Matt. I'm just saying this kind of rhetorically. You can either just kind of mind your own business because you can't say anything about this, or you can recognize if there is an objective morality, if there is something ultimate, then guess what? We can judge between these two things because that would, would hold true across systems. This one, what's better or worse, only functions inside that system. And once you get out of that system, all you're saying is, I like this one more. Well, okay, a lot of people like all kinds of things. Uh, you, you don't. One of the most difficult things for people to learn, and my daughter who's into music right now and doesn't understand why I don't like the K-pop music that she likes is, you, unfortunately, you can't make other people like what you like. You just can't. You can't make other people like what you like. I've been trying for years to get certain people to like my favorite rock band, U2. And there are certain people that love it and have come to love it just as much as me. There's a lot of people that hate it and will never like it. And as much as I try, they're just always going to not like it. And in the same way, Dill Hunty, you like your secular humanism and you like to think that, that, that you know, you, within that system that you've subjectively created with the goal that you like, you can call stuff better or worse. But once you come out of that, all you're telling everybody else is, I like this one. I like this one and I think you should like this one. And maybe I do like a lot of what's in there, but, but outside of your system, it still stands to reason that that's just something you like. It's not really better. And if you want to say it's really better, you're now, you're, you've now broken your system open and splayed it across all of reality, making it somehow objective or ultimate. And we're going to see him, I think, hint towards that in a little while, because that's one of the major confusions that we see in this discussion. Um, now, so, uh, so let's, let's hear, let's see what happens next. My position is that as yeah. far as I can tell, there are no objective moral, no requirement that one care about well-being or human suffering or human flourishing or any of that. There's nothing about the universe that requires that we care about that. Okay, now I want you to notice what happens here because this is where it all begins. Remember the analogy that, 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 I, that I'm sharing with you that in this very debate he lays out, the chessboard. Nothing about the universe dictates the rules of chess. We subjectively choose those. And then within that, we can make objective right or wrong decisions going forward. That's how it is that he kind of says it's morality is subjective, but it looked at another way, it's objective. Fine, I got you. Within your subjectively chosen parameters, there are objectively better and worse ways to do this. I, I understand that. He has just said there is nothing that requires that we care about that. Um, 
that is important that one care about well-being or human suffering or human flourishing or any of that. There's nothing about the universe that requires that we care about that. And yet we do. This is what we've always talked about when it comes to morality. We are talking about how do humans interact? What are the consequences of our actions? Do those consequences make life better or worse for human beings? There's, there's no requirement, he says, that one care about that. But if two people do care about that, then they can begin to assess what sort of actions one should do to achieve the goal of better life for human beings. Now, that's so OK. We've got Does it sound to you like what he's saying is? We like this. And most people like this. So if you agree with us, like two people agreeing about that, or like people agreeing about the rules of chess, if we all agree about that, then we can talk about better and worse ways to, to better humanity or whatever, or to improve toward well-being. But there's nothing about the universe that requires that you care about that. In other words, doesn't it sound like he's saying, if you're not one of those people that subscribes to that, you're not obligated. You, you're not required and if you want to say, yes, they are in a legal sense, if they break certain laws, we hold people accountable. But in the ultimate sense, they're not required and they're not doing anything immoral in any ultimate sense, in any objective sense or on their system, whatever that system may be, however well defined or not defined it may be. All you're saying is in this bubble that we like that we, we think that's wrong. But if you're not in that bubble or you don't like that bubble, like we like that bubble, then we can't say that what you're, then you can't say what you're doing. You don't have to consider what you're doing wrong. And it's not wrong. It, it actually isn't. It's not just that you don't consider it wrong. It's not wrong because you're not in our bubble that likes this stuff. Now, that is that is really what it sounds like he's saying. And I'm going to give you more evidence of that in just a few moments. But I think if, I think what I have next is David Wood um, beginning to to have a problem with that. Let, let's see what we get next. We should work together to find the things that make life better for all of those people who care about making life better. Now, the immediate concern is, well, okay, well, what if I don't care about making life better? Cool, then I'm not talking to you. This is why I use the chess game as an example. Chess is entirely arbitrary. The rules are subjective. We invented it, we came up with the board, the pieces, how they move, how they interact. But once we sit down at the chess game and we decide that we would rather not lose, it doesn't matter if you are the opposition or a teammate or a coach. If we can agree that the goal is to not lose the game, then we can agree non-subjectively about which moves are better and which moves are worse. This is intrinsically obvious. Well, not maybe not intrinsically obvious. This is, I, I know of no refutation of this other than to say, I don't really care about chess. I don't care about winning. And the analogy holds that we are in a universe. We are physical beings in a physical universe. And the laws of that universe, the physical laws, dictate the consequences of our actions. Okay, so now notice what he said. For all I can hear, he is saying exactly what I'm saying. There, did you notice all the conditionals there? If you're playing the game, if you're the opposition, if, if you're the coach, if you agree about these rules, then there is a non-subjective way to get to the, to the best goal. Absolutely. And David understands that. The thing is, does that, it sounds like what you're saying is for someone who doesn't buy that, for someone who doesn't buy chess or want to play chess, or for someone who wants to play, uh, you know, checkers instead, or for somebody to bring it back to reality, to, to the, re, you know, the thing we're analogizing here, for someone who doesn't buy into your favorite secular humanist moral system, it's not binding on them. They're not doing anything immoral. 
in in their you know for them that we what we're doing in our bubble doesn't hold outside of our bubble it's not ultimate it's not objective um and, and that really sounds like what he's saying now you might say yeah because that's what he said uh, but hold on because there's some pushback in a minute that makes no sense to me coming from dillahunty all right so let's let's uh let's go to the next thing let's hear l- let's hear how how david wood i think you know i want to say fairly i mean it's it's reasonable that he would come to that conclu- to the conclusion that he's about to come to dillahunty honey doesn't like it but it sounds like this is this is right if you say hey so this is this is the position that was just stated as far as i can tell he could correct me if i'm wrong but if you say hey i'm seeking the well-being of other people i'm seeking the well-being of other people then if you're doing that, then you can say, well, these things follow. Therefore, if that's my goal, then I have an obligation to do these things that will you know, help me reach that goal. If you don't seek that goal, he says, well, you know, this morality has nothing to say to you, right? So think about this. If I do not agree to seek the well-being of all people, then what moral obligations do I have? As far as I can tell from Matt's position, I have none. I don't have any moral obligations. Now think about that. What this means is that when I bashed my dad's head in with a ball peen hammer when I was 18 years old, I didn't violate any moral obligation. I did nothing morally wrong. I just didn't sign on. I just didn't sign on for this, uh, for, I didn't, didn't sign on for this goal that some other people seek. So I, I did nothing wrong. Now I'm willing to lay this down as a rule. If your moral system says I did nothing wrong by bashing someone's head in with a hammer, um, I think you need a new moral system. Done. Done. I think he rightly characterized what Matt said. And he's absolutely right. If that's what you're saying, if that's where your morals, don't, don't, don't come to me talking about morality anymore. If, if your moral system allows for there to be people who don't like the same things you like, who then can bash people and, and do, no, 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 no. That's, it's over. It's over. The very idea now, Dylan, this is why I think Dillahunty's going to push back against that in a in a in an odd way. And maybe what Dillahunty is saying makes sense on some level in some way, but I don't see it. I think what Matt Dillahunty has said so far in, in regards to the construction of his uh, system is wrong, but uh, consistent. I think it's consistent with his atheism. I, I, I'm buying all of that. I think David is too. I don't want to speak for him, but it's consistent. What would be consistent is after building an analogy and, and explaining all of this in a way that the whole point of which is to say, if you agree with secular humanism, then you can have this morality that most people and all that. But if you don't subscribe to it, there's nothing in the universe that says you have to, there's no responsibility. There's no, it, it, that really seems to be the point here, right? What would be odd is if then you said that people outside of your system were in some sense obligated, did have some sort of moral obligation. Let's see what happens next. I don't know if we're there yet, but let's just let's just get there. In the rebuttal that it's you think it's natural to go from atheism to hitting someone with a ball peen hammer. Um, no, no, it's it's natural. It's natural for it's natural from atheism to think that these moral obligations that we think are real, that you shouldn't do that are just delusional. Right. 
And I, I, think, I, I, I think you agree with that, right? If I think I have a moral obligation not to hit someone, your position is, if I decide that I'm seeking the well-being of humanity or of other people or something like that, then there are right ways and wrong ways to go about that. And so there are some rules. But as I pointed out, if I don't sign on to that, if I say I'm not seeking the, the well-being of humanity, then there is no moral obligation. The moral, you, obligation, no moral obligation is in, outside of that. The moral, so whether or not you think you have a moral obligation, you are part of a society that will impose a moral obligation no, on you. Now notice, but according to your theory, I had no moral obligation. No, but I didn't say impose. I didn't say you don't have one. I said whether or not you think you do. See, you keep looking at this as if there must be some external. No, notice this is starting to get weird here. First of all. Uh, props to David. David really tries in this debate not to straw man. If you, if you put in the comments to a video like this that David was straw manning anything, you are just incorrect. <laughs> David is really trying to articulate this properly. He, he really struggled there to try and articulate this is what I think you're saying. And, yeah, and it's what I've been saying throughout this video. And then what does Matt say? He says, no, I'm not saying they don't have an obligation. Whether or not they think they have an obligation. What? Let, let me get his wording exactly right. Oh, so this, so this is what Dylan Hunty says. So, there is, so uh, whether or not you think you have a moral obligation, something like that. Um, I'm reading the transcript. It's not perfect. Um, you are a part of a society that will impose a moral obligation on you. And then Dylan Hunty sa or David says, now notice... But according to your theory, I had no moral obligation. I wouldn't say, and then he says, I wouldn't say, I didn't say you don't have one. I said, whether or not you think you do. What do you mean whether or not I think I do? On, on your view, you, you don't, I, I, if, I don't, if I don't think I do, I don't. That's, that's what your view says. Uh, in fact, let's just get a little bit more clear. This is from a debate. I know this debate well because this is a debate with John Ferrer, and this is the last debate that Dylan Hunty had before I had a debate with him. So I watched this debate kind of to see where, it, you know, what, what was the most recent thing he was saying. It wasn't on the same topic as my debate with him, but still. And, and so we get to this place where he says this really interesting thing. He's talking about not being able to survive without oxygen. I want you to listen to what he says here, because I think it's really telling about whether or not a person who doesn't buy into this secular humanism has any obligation. I can't survive without oxygen. That's just a physical fact. Depriving me of oxygen is bad for me. To the extent that we want to view this as moral, to the extent that we want to say, oh, you ought not deprive Matt of oxygen. The Izod problem is one that I deal with in a number of different ways, but this is one's fairly simple, and that is you ought if. If you care about my well-being, you ought not deprive me of oxygen. Problem solved. If you don't care about my well-being, well, there's no ought there. And this is why I was saying earlier that I don't think the universe has any intrinsic ought that you ought to care about. What? This is the first objection I get when I talk about secular morality. Well, why should I care about well-being, Matt? What in the universe tells me I should care about well-being? Nothing. But you do. Now, notice here, and, and this becomes a second feature in the debate where Matt wants to say, you know, I've never even met anybody who didn't. I'm not sure I've ever met anybody who didn't care about their own well-being, at least. And, uh, and David Wood pushes back on that and is the, the key person to push back on that, knowing his testimony. Nevertheless, did you hear what he said? If, if you care about these, if you, is, he's basically said someone could deprive me of oxygen um, if, they, if they care. Let, let's listen again. If you care about my well-being, you ought not deprive me of oxygen. 
problem solved. If you don't care about my well-being, well, there's no ought there. Okay, so now doesn't this sound like it could not, I, I think it was clearer there than it was in this debate, but could it not be more clear? Matt is saying, if you're not, if you don't like what I like, secular humanism, if you don't subscribe to this subjectively chosen moral framework that now we function objectively within toward a goal, if that's not your thing, you ought not to even you could even deprive me of oxygen right this doesn't this doesn't and there's nothing to say you ought not i mean to to imagine that there's pushback on this i think it couldn't be clearer now does he speak out of both sides of his mouth here Let, let's hear again i'm trying to locate the moral obligation for someone who says um I just don't. I just don't care about those things. Or, we or I impose care about a moral obligation. No, no, that's what I mean. You are a, you're saying society imposes a moral obligation. The physical facts people. of the universe imposes a moral obligation. You for, just said for, that the universe no. doesn't impose. You the, said there's nothing in the universe that imposes the moral I, obligation. The physical facts of the universe mm -hmm. dictate what is better. And if we're going to talk about morality and define morality as seeking what is okay, now, 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 notice what's happening here. Well, I'll let him finish. Better. That's the where physical the physical facts of the universe yes. dictate what is better for Listen us. Listen to David. Yes, it's better for me to live a healthy life than it is to not live. Does the universe? I mean, does the universe dictate? I mean, I mean, d why would the universe care whether it, you know, coronavirus flourishes or we flourish? It doesn't. Exactly. But the physical facts of the universe show that if coronavirus is going to kill humans, and I am a humanist, and morality is about what humans do and not what viruses do, that it's in my best interest to work in opposition to coronavirus. I agree it's in your best interest. I also agree that it's in the best interest. And that's interest what morality and humanism is about, not about viruses. I don't. Okay, now, now notice, notice what's happening. I, so he he does this thing to he to my mind it sounds like a a way of trying to because David's wrestling with what I'm wrestling with here, which is on your view for the person who doesn't buy it there's no obligation. Now I think it, the view as it stands is consistent, but when you start trying to say that they are they do there is some obligation out there which to my mind, it flies in the face of what he said in this debate and in the debate with Ferrer that I just showed you. When, when you start trying to say there is some obligation for that person, I don't know why you're doing that because you had a consistent, albeit terrifying picture before. And I think, frankly, that's the deal is even though typically Matt has been willing to say, I know that this might sound terrible to some people. I don't care. I think it's true. Here in this situation, I think there's some clarity that unless I'm misunderstanding what he's trying to say, if, if, if I grant what this man is saying right now, then I'm granting that that graphic image he just gave me with the ball peen hammer was not immoral. That morality has nothing to say for that because he was outside of the secular humanist bubble that I like. And that sounds horrific. Why does it sound horrific? Because it's horrific. It is horrible. It is horrifying. The very idea that anybody would would promote anything like that is just, to my mind, is absurd. So what does Dylan Hunty do? Well, I, I, I didn't say that I'm saying whether they think they are or not. What are we doing here? You had a consistent system. It was a consistent and horrifying system. But it was consistent. 
Now it's, it's not sounding consistent anymore. What he says here is, well, no, no, no. Nature dictates this. Well, and Wood's right. Wait, nature doesn't care. Well, no, but nature dictates what's going to be better ultimately for my survival and well-being. So if you buy into secular human, okay, but you didn't still get out of the bubble. You pointed to nature like that's some big overarching thing outside of your bubble, but you're still, the, 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 the goal and the better and worse and all that is still in this bubble. That, that's, uh, the, what happens in nature informs how you function within your bubble, but, but, but it doesn't mean anything's better or worse. You still just got the bubble. And, and so we're still stuck here. I think I, it sounds to me like Dylan Hunty is looking for a way to make this something that goes outside of secular humanism because it sounds horrible on its own, but at least it was consistent on its own. All right. So ultimately we get to uh, this final thing that we're going to look at here. And, um, and we get back to the central feature at the beginning of this discussion come here to say atheism says this I'm talking about secular humanism the subject of this debate is is mm-hmm. secular humanism a better foundation than it's no foundation it is absolutely a foundation there's no foundation okay what no I, I agree that if you subscribe to secular humanism you can say here here's all I these have things. nothing further he's agreed with all of my points and done nothing to demonstrate how God fixes any of these problems at this point we might as well go to questions because we're just beating the same horse yeah, here's the problem. So he so he presents what could be seen as a two quo qui fallacy, which is when David raises the problem of hold on a second, your, your situation creates this horrible deal where people outside of your system morality has no hold on them, and and uh, f- you know Dylan Hunty says God doesn't make that any better. The two coquie fallacies is the yo mama fallacy. It's when you present a challenge to someone's perspective and instead of handling that problem, they just point back at you and say, well, you've got the same problem, which is which is in a sense what we've got going here is he's pointing back at David and saying, how does your God, how does God bring God into this, solve this problem? What's beautiful about this is that David is living proof of this. And he says so in the debate and it's incredible. David was a, a uh, violent man uh, with a, a very self-centered, bizarre morality because of his mental concerns and perhaps some other things and his atheism. But when Christianity entered the picture, when God entered the picture, and what a beautiful, if it weren't for all the, the, the snark and the eye rolling and all of this that's been going on in this discussion, David, if you ever see this, and please let me know if you see this, um, but if, da- if you ever see this, David, uh, that was a beautiful expression of what happens when someone becomes filled with the spirit because suddenly his, his understandings changed. His way of looking at the world changed. He, it, it was almost like he was, what could we say? Born again, right? That's, it was a conversion. It was a change. It was a new man. And that was, that's what's so amazing about this. How does God make it better? Because God makes it better. God changes the man and renews the mind, Romans 12, 2. And so, what you know, this fails at every possible level. And when he gets upset and says, you know, I, I didn't come here to debate this. I came here to debate Christianity versus secular humanism and complains about the discussions. And I'm not trying to be rude to Matt. I really like Matt. Um, but when, when that, when all that's going on, what's happening here is you don't realize that the God question 
and the objective morality question, answering those is a prerequisite to this discussion. You don't get to have this discussion until we settle that discussion. We don't either. Nobody gets to have this discussion because there's no way to compare two systems because better doesn't mean anything until we settle, settle the question of God and objective morality. Then we, then we have, then we're not equivocating on better. We know what better means. And then we can, yeah, say what's better. Of course, if we get that far, then is secular humanism better? Absolutely not. Right. Uh, Parts of it are still true, but is it better than God's way? No, of course not. But if there is no God and therefore is no objective morality, which one of these things is better? All Matt can possibly say is I like this one more. I like this one more. Well, so far as that went, it was consistent. It didn't do anything to win this debate because Matt's position isn't suited to win a debate like this. But at least it was at least it was internally consistent, as far as I can tell. But when there was some move to say whether somebody outside that bubble is obligated, well, I'm just saying whether he thinks he is or not, when you're trying to move beyond your bubble, it's not consistent anymore. And now there's nothing to recommend that position. It's not even consistent. It was at least consistent, albeit terrifying. Now it's terrifying and inconsistent and ill-suited to win a debate like this. I'm sorry to be this straightforward, but um, I think it needed to be said. If you'd like to be changed like David was, you just need to tell the Lord that that's what's on your heart. Repent of your sins. Trust him. And I'd love to hear about it at Braxton at Trinity By the way, um, if, if you'd like to support what we're doing here in responding to atheists and covering debates like this, <clears throat> you can click in the top right-hand corner of this screen or go to uh, patreon.com slash trinityradio. By the way, we've recently released four full seminary-level apologetics classes. It's like 28 lectures all at once. They're all there. They're not coming out week by week. They're all there all at once for anybody that wants who's a patron at any level. And I just released a video explaining how I make YouTube videos, how I make a set that looks like this, um, what kind of camera I have, what kind of mic, how I set it up, what software I use, what techniques do I use to make the response videos. All that stuff is there ready to go if you go along with a bunch of other episodes that we never released, uh, a few ebooks of my books that you would cost you otherwise, and an hour uh, of let's see, a 45 minute documentary on Ephesus and Smyrna filmed with me on location. Um, with 4K video footage. So listen, there's all kinds of stuff in there that I haven't even mentioned. Go check it out at patreon.com slash Trinity Radio. And I'll see you next time on Trinity Radio.